Good morning, South Florida sports fans, and welcome to a special playoff edition of Bally Sports Miami Miked Up with me, Jeremy Taché, and I am super excited to get to everything we have in store today as it is a weekend full of playoff games right here in South Florida. So the action begins tonight. It's the Panthers and the Bruins. They split their two games in Boston, and now they come back to South Florida. We'll see you in sunrise tonight, and the Panthers live pregame show begins on Bally Sports at 7 p.m., so that's when you can tune in for the start of coverage. Puck will drop just after 7.30 p.m. Again, you can watch that on Bally Sports, the Bally Sports app, ballysports.com. You know the drill. And we will have David Dwork from WPLG and the Hockey News on in just a few moments to break down everything you need to know about this Panthers and Bruins series. But before we get to what's brewing with the Panthers and the Bruins, we got to talk Miami Heat basketball, another team as an eight seed with a split in their first two games. The Heat took down the Milwaukee Bucks in game one, obviously had their trouble with the Bucks in game two. But game three, again, on Bally Sports, on Saturday night, and you can tune in for the Heat Live pregame show at 7 o'clock. And of course, we will have coverage of the entire game, our broadcast on Bally Sports Sun, as usual, as you've had it all season long. And we will have the voice of that broadcast on this podcast. Eric Reed joins us in just a few seconds to preview game three and everything that is to come between the Heat and the Bucks. Two teams who pulled off an upset and split in their first two games of their respective series. It's an exciting time to be a South Florida sports fan, and we will have all of these games right here on Bally Sports. Incredibly excited to bring it to you. I'll be helping out on the social side. You'll want to follow at Bally Panthers on Twitter, at Bally Heat on Twitter, and at Bally Sports Florida on Instagram. But let's get to the breakdowns now. You'll hear from David Dork in a few minutes. But first, it's Eric Reed on the Miami Heat. Very excited to have the voice of the Miami Heat back with me on Miami Mic'd Up. It's the first time in a while that we've had him on here, and now feels like the perfect time as the Heat head back home. You can watch him on the Heat Live pregame show leading into Game 3 at 7 p.m. on Bally Sports Sun on Saturday night. The Eastern Conference first round is tied up at 1 between the Heat and the Bucks. It's Eric Reed who joins me today on Miami Mic'd Up. Eric, it's awesome to have you on here. Thank you uh, for joining me just after returning from Milwaukee. Yeah, my pleasure. And we're going to have more than just a pregame show on Saturday. We've got the <laughs> whole game on Bally Sports Sun. And, you know, Jeremy, you, you worked the whole year to get, get to the opportunity as a broadcaster to be a part of playoff games. Sometimes you go several years without working them. So always a gift. Um, and this has been a very interesting first two games of this series so far. Interesting is putting it lightly, and uh, we are excited to continue to watch those games right here on Bally Sports. Um, before we get into basketball, I know basketball is 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 99.9% of your brain right now. I do have to ask you, what outside of work has recently brought you joy? Walking in my front door today after you know, <laughs> five days in Milwaukee and, and seeing my <laughs> wife and daughter uh, and having dinner at home with them, that, that, that brought me joy and and uh, all good things. That's beautiful and, and a shared experience that I know everybody else with the Heat is feeling right now. And so, as the Heat return home, let's start with the good. Game one. Uh, the Heat come home to Miami with the split against Milwaukee, and that's because of game one. 
They lose Tyler Hero, but we'll get to that in a moment. Jimmy Butler, another vintage playoff Jimmy performance in that game. What did you like from game one that excites you for the rest of this series with, with Milwaukee that, that you saw from the Heat? First of all, Jeremy, the series has been so uneven and, right. and yet so even. I mean, the games mirrored themselves, but in opposite directions. Um, you know, it's been this high-scoring series with the two highest-scoring playoff games in, in the 2023 you know, playoffs so far. Even though it's early, it's noteworthy. Um, both games had a lot in common in different ways. You know, in, in game one, it was Jimmy Butler that got the heat started with, with a 14-point first quarter. And, and, you know, in that game, Miami, you know, 33 in the first, 35 in the second. Uh, the offense clicking in, in a way that it did a handful of times. And it turned out to be the highest-scoring playoff game in Heat history. They shot just under 60% from the field right at 60% from three. These were historic Heat numbers for a playoff game. And and to score 130, remember, the Heat were last in the league in scoring this year. Uh, and the Bucks. listen, it was I, – I, I said it last night during game two. Um, the, the, the game one was both meaningful and costly for both teams. Mm-hmm. The Bucks, you know, kicked away a game – and lose Adetokounmpo for most of that game and all of game two. The Heat win the game, meaningful. Uh, lose a key guy in in a 20-point-a-game score and a guy that gives you creativity on the offensive end, a guy that can get his own shot mm. on that end, and a guy who, listen, I love the mental approach that Tyler had, uh, very open about it. I have a point to prove in these playoffs. Um, you know, it's funny, Spo said, coming out of the Chicago play-in win going into this series. I I love this quote from him. He said, there are a handful of moments in every season that give you belief. Mm. Uh, Certainly some of that came against Chicago. I think more of it, at least for the moment, came in game one. But there wasn't a lack of belief, you know, by everybody else, but not by the 15 guys and the coaching staff. And I think by our fan base, you know, we're not going into this like, woe is me is the, the number eight seed, even though, Listen, the Bucks are the number one seed for a reason. <laughs> right. They were the best team in the league, and, and they might end up proving that, you know, in the playoffs. But that's for the next week or two or next month or two will we'll tell for them. But the f- game one was terrific for Miami. They came out ready. I thought the Bucks looked like a team that had been off for a week and had mm-hmm. given their starters – an additional week off. They look rusty and stale and not ready to play. Um, they were steps slow defensively. And they didn't recover when Giannis went out, even though Middleton and Holiday had great games. They did. The Heat controlled the game. It was crazy. Only one lead change. The the Bucks' only lead in game one was 2-0 and 4-2. The Heat led for 47 of the 48 <laughs> minutes. I'll give you two quick things about game one. Yes. Oddest moment. Mike Budenholzer using his challenge with four and a half minutes left in the I first I thought that quarter. was unbelievable. That was an indescribably strange moment. Really was. I thought the biggest moment, up 14 early in the third quarter, they go on an 11-0 run to cut it to three. Yep. And that's when you felt like, wow, is it, is it, is it going to turn right here? Bam, got a bucket and a foul. And before you knew it, the lead was back to 14, heading to the fourth. The Bucs didn't get any closer than eight in the fourth. So it yep. was 
the Heat repelling one run after another. It's hard to win a playoff game. It is harder to win one on the road. They did that. Then game two, Jeremy. I mean, yeah, let's get to it. I mean, the total opposite. The total one of the keys in game one, by the way, um, and we pointed this out in our coverage of the series. In the Heat's two wins this year in the regular season against the Bucks, held them to a total of fourteen fast break points, eight and six. Right in game one, held them to six fast break points. Um, the turnovers were low, only had three live ball turnovers, kept Milwaukee in a half-court game offensively. And I, I would point out to any observers of this series, if you're going to watch one stat, that's the one, fast break points. It, it, that's how the Bucks really get it going. That's how they get their three-point game going. But it was the way they did it last night. First of all, Jeremy, it was wild. When, when Adetokounmpo went from doubtful to questionable, right. middle of the afternoon, I think all of us jumped to the wrong conclusion. Uh-huh. He's playing. He's playing. Right. That's and you know when Mike Budenholzer announced it first thing in his press conference, he just said he's not playing. And I love the question. One of the Bucks media people asked, "Why did you jump it from doubtful to questionable?" Gave a lot of people false hope. This is a mm-hmm. great lesson for us as we watch that injury page. You know, by the hour on game days, they did the doubtful to questionable to give themselves the option of activating them before the game. You cannot go from doubtful to playing. Interesting. So I didn't that's realize that technicality. Did. That's interesting. Yeah, but, but you know, they adjusted well. Now, with, with, with you, you know, I said this again on the, on the game telecast last night, and, and I sometimes you say things and then you think about them that night and the day after, and mm, I'm strong about this conviction, though. They're equally capable and good with – their superstar and without him. They play Absolutely. differently uh, with and without him. I was wondering how they were going to get their threes without him. A lot of the a lot of their threes come off the the attention that he draws. Correct. Uh, the way he goes to the basket. Um, and also he's such a factor defensively. Mm-hmm. I thought they they would miss him more defensively than they would offensively. They can score without him. But how they got going last night. I thought, you know, you want to talk about great coaching on the other team's side this time. You got Brooke Lopez in a different role. Now he's not going to be out on the perimeter. He put him in the post. Max Struess defending him. He had 14 in the first quarter. Jeremy, they had 26 points in the paint in the first quarter. Unbelievable. And that opened up their three-point game. Miami got beat off the dribble all night long. Um, Lopez sort of sucked us in. And then the three-point shooting spread it out, and it was a barrage because they were terrific in the paint with Lopez and Portis. Holiday has been a pain in the butt for two straight mm-hmm. games getting into the paint and creating. He's been great, by the way, through two games. And their threes went in. I mean, they tied an NBA record with 25 threes. So Crazy. a game after setting your own playoff record right. with 130 points – we set another record giving up the most points uh, that the Heat has ever given up in a playoff game. So it's 1-1, Jeremy. The, you know, in the two games, three lead changes total and just a three-point total difference. Right. So After all that. You, you know, here's two things that happen in every playoff game. I'm sorry. I'm, I am, I'm like dominating. No, right please. Now. As you, This is a little iso ball for you. I'm happy to pass the ball over and just kind of stand in the corner. You know, everybody, two things. One there is a tremendous tendency by fans and media to jump to conclusion after each game. Mm-hmm. That's why it's, that's why they, that's why they're seven game series. Uh, 
I, I know people get paid to analyze what's going on. You can't judge it until it's done. You exactly. can analyze it while it's going on. The other thing is always, you know, the team that won the previous game, can they match, you know, the the passion and the hunger and the desperation of the team that lost the last game? So now it's about game three, and the Heat have two opportunities uh, in front of their home crowd. You know, the Bucks hadn't lost two in a row at home all year. Mm. The Heat had never won two straight on the road to begin a playoff series and uh, got in a little – you know, flap with some Heat fans last night because somebody brought up, uh, what about the bubble? You know, technically, it's a, different, it's a different animal. So I said, I don't count the bubble. And it was misunderstood saying that I was dismissing what happened. Not at all. Mm. That bubble run to the finals was terrific, historic, memorable, special. I just don't count it in regards to home and road. <laughs> right, right, okay? right, right. So that's where we're at. But it's it's 1-1. One, one. Um, we're sort of assuming Giannis is going to be back on Saturday. It's just an assumption at this point. Right. But, you know, again, Miami's got to keep it to a half-court game. You know, last night they gave up 30 points off turnovers. Mm. They gave up 20 transition points. Um, those are those are You cannot self-inflict wounds. They're too good. And, you know, they're, they're causing a lot of problems, even without Giannis right now, between Bobby Portis and Lopez on the inside, uh, Drew Holiday, uh, I wrote down a stat for him, 27 assists, four turnovers in the first two My games. My goodness. He's been awesome. Yeah. Uh, and and then, you know, Connaughton, who didn't play in the first game, uh, was terrific last night. He and Ingles have the ability to fill it up from three, and you want to you, you, you keep them yeah. out of that kind of groove. They are capable of doing that again, though, Jeremy. They, yep. they average 19 made threes a game against the Heat in the regular season. What what's so so first of all, thank you for a plethora of information that Heat fans I know are are soaking up right now based off of these first couple of games. And it it sets the stage perfectly for where this goes moving forward, which is it is sort of an assumption that's being made that Giannis will come back from Milwaukee. And I have a a, a bit of an insane theory about this team, which is not necessarily that the Bucks are by any means better without Giannis, but for the Heat specifically. A coaching staff that is so great at game planning against individual superstars and shutting them down. A a team that all year long has struggled against teams that move the ball well and shoot from three. There's almost a sense for me like the Heat are better defensively when Giannis is on the floor for the Bucks. How did the Heat adjust to Giannis coming back and Am I am I completely insane in what I'm thinking here? Will you grant any sort of credence to to sort of this crazy theory that I have? Not really. You're, you're, <laughs> you're partially insane. A little um, bit. A little bit. You know, but 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 where you're right on is they're different. And and what I said about them last night is they're equally capable and competent right. and difficult to play against, both with their two-time MVP. And without him, right. So that's not a knock on Giannis. It speaks volumes about how good that team is. How deep they are. How deep they are. Uh, you know, they do play a little differently though without him. Lopez becomes more of a low post guy, mm-hmm. and you know that's where Spo is going to have some defensive pieces on his chessboard to move around to decide. Uh, you know, if Giannis plays, well, Bam's going to be on Giannis to start right. the game. If he does not play, um, are you going to put Bam on Lopez or? On Portis, uh, are you going to leave Struess on Lopez? Will he stick with Duncan Robinson as a starter? Will he go with with uh, Kevin Love for size? Will Zeller be more involved? 
you know, each game takes on its own life. Coach Spo is going to have his plan going into game three. And, and plans are great. But I'll tell you the truth, Jeremy, you, you know, come playoff time, you better be ready to change and adjust your plan because the situation changes by, by the possession in the NBA playoffs. Yeah, it's similar to that, uh, the saying, make make plans and God laughs, right? That's the ultimate in in the NBA playoffs, that's for sure. And as things go along, I mean, and now the Heat are dealing with a rotation without Tyler Hero. So I'll sort of almost combine this last question for you, Eric, and, and thank you for taking the time to do this today. But with Tyler Hero, obviously still out of the lineup, you know, the Heat clearly struggled to replicate exactly what he does bring. Um, to the team they were able to survive the second half of game one but you know Tyler's is a huge part of what the Heat do we saw how much they missed him last year against the Boston Celtics do you have an an individual player or maybe a couple of players who stand out for you here as all right these guys are the ones who might be the X factor for Miami if they are to sort of compete here and potentially steal another one of these games while they're home here in Miami. Yeah, listen, if, if they win, it's not going to be a steal. They're going to earn it and, and deserve <laughs> it. They, they, there won't be any theft involved. But <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the, uh, you know, Spo, Spo put it well the other night. He said in the playoffs, your, your great players got to play great. And then you got to get help from others. He called, he referred to that as the X factors. In game one for Miami, it was Gabe Vincent, yep. Caleb Martin, and Kevin Love. That trio combined for 48 points, went 10 of 15 from three. I think in the series, you could look at those three players so mm. far. Then throw in what Victor Oladipo did last night. Um, he can still be a factor. So I look at all of those guys. Uh, Struess has not really played well yet in either right. of the two games. Bam and Jimmy, they're accounting for 50 points a game so far. So your right. two best players that are available are doing what you hoped and expected they would. Jimmy's been great. Bam has started slowly, I thought, in both games, but has played pretty well in both games. So mm -hmm. it's going to take that kind of sustained effort for them, I, I think. And, and then the others. Well, yep. What other combination of those guys, of Gabe, Max, Caleb, Oladipo, Zeller, all of those guys are going to need to have more than just moments. Yep, and it'll be interesting to see the way the Heat decide to go with the starting lineup in Game 3 and how that continues to evolve throughout the series. But you can watch it all beginning with the Heat Live pregame show leading into the full game broadcast. So 7 o'clock for the pregame show, 7.30 for the Heat broadcast. It'll be led by Eric Reed, and we'll have the whole cast and crew out there for you on this broadcast. Very excited for it. Watch that on Bally Sports. Eric Reed, thank you so much for joining me on Miami Mic'd Up. Jeremy, great job as always on your show. Great job on the Heat telecast this year. And this is a beautiful time for, for Heat Nation and, and basketball in South Florida. The Canes, the FAU uh -huh. Owls, and now the Heat in the NBA playoffs with the next two games at home. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. Thank you. Fun fact, I was Eric Reed's intern. My first job out of Connecticut School of Broadcasting, I interned with the Miami Heat on the Heat TV for a season. Really?
what was that experience like? Maybe this is where we'll start your segment of the podcast. This is David Dork. Just for everybody listening, this is David Dork of WPLG and the Hockey News. David, continue your story about working with Eric Reed. No, my, my first job, I went to Connecticut School of Broadcasting, you know, to start my adult career. My first job was an internship with the Heat, uh, with the Heat TV crew. So I was like, I went from being the fan watching on TV every day to actually standing there holding the sheet behind the guys and getting them their stat sheets and running tapes to the truck and editing in the, you know, in the off days. And it was nuts. It was awesome. But uh, working with Eric and Tony was was a lot of fun. That must have been the best. I obviously like absolutely love getting any opportunity to work with those guys, including <laughs> including Tony, who has been on this uh, been on this podcast a couple of times. Coach Tony Fiorentino, and also as a uh, Heat Junior camper myself back in the day, I, uh, I feel go. like I've I've known known Tony for God nearly twenty years now, which feels insane. Um, but David. We started in a, in an organic space, but the first question I have to ask you before we get to Florida Panthers, and, and obviously you've been covering the team all season long, you know as much about this team as anybody, we will get there in just a second. But the first question for you is what is something recently outside of hockey, outside of work that has brought you joy? Uh, it always goes back to my family. Um, I got, as you know, um, I had two little, little guys at home. I got a six-year-old and a six-month-old, and it's... You know, like I was telling you a little while ago, I just it just blows my mind that um I have two kids. Like I'm still mm-hmm. like that that guy that was doing the internship with E Reed. Like that, I feel like more like that dude on a daily basis than the one before you. But somehow, like I figured out how to you know be a dad and have a career and and still kind of be this you know this immature dude in my head that's just <laughs> trying to like play 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 it being a grown up. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, there's nothing better than just you know. I got these two awesome kids. I got my amazing wife, who's such a good mother. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just blessed in my life. Like I have a job that I love. I have a family that I love. And I just, uh, I don't know what I did to deserve this life. But I, every day, not a, not a day goes by that I'm not cherishing and very grateful for what I have. You're a good person. That's what you did to deserve this life. Uh, David Dork obviously covers this Panthers team as well as anyone. He does it for WPLG and for the Hockey News. So, David, let's dive into what's going on with the Florida Panthers right now. Just like the Miami Heat, a split as the eight seed, quote unquote, as the eight seed uh, against a juggernaut in the Boston Bruins. A team, though, that the Panthers have played well this season um a a team that they've competed with just about as anybody did against the Bruins this season so after this split I I just sort of want your general thoughts on where things stand with the Panthers and the Bruins after a couple of games give the people sort of the basics yeah I mean if you're a Panthers fan you have to feel really good about where the Panthers are after these two games because well they did get a split in Boston which just that in and of itself is pretty remarkable considering how basically unbeatable Boston was on home ice this year. And you go and you throw a six spot on them. Uh, that's pretty impressive by the Panthers, Amazing. but just looking at the way the two games played out until you got to the end of the games where one team had a lead that they really started to park the bus. Those were extremely highly contested games, especially five on five at even strength like that. that the Panthers are almost the better team, which is kind of blows your mind to think about, but it's just been this, this long progression that's gotten them to this point, Jeremy of where, they got a new coach at the beginning of the year. They're learning all new styles and techniques. They're having to play completely differently. And now, eight months later, it's finally coming together. And what Paul Maurice had been trying to teach, like you're seeing it come to fruition. That's what I was thinking last night. He's got to be the happiest guy in the world just watching the way his team absolutely dominated that third period in Boston. And so, yeah, if you're a Panthers fan, you've got to feel really good about the prospects of where the series is heading. 
That's such a great point that really what this team from the beginning was building toward was, all right, playoff hockey, right? That's the thing we kept hearing over and over and over again. When it was the trade of Huberdeau for Kachuk, it was playoff hockey. When it was bringing in Paul Maurice, it was playoff hockey. And when the team was struggling, it was, hey, we're making an adjustment to this style that should be good for playoff hockey. And now here they are. So, you know, the Panthers obviously played competitively in game one, but what were the adjustments from game one to game two or, or just the things you sort of saw that that stood out to you that you think might be sustainable for a full series here that, that maybe does give the Panthers a chance of pulling off this upset? Yeah, I think it kind of comes down to how even the games were. Like even though Boston got an early power play goal in game one and they had the lead throughout, it was a one goal game for much of it. It was tight. Game two was Hide, you know, zero zero after one, I believe it was two to two after two. And then Florida just once they got the lead, the way that they were checking, but I don't think Boston was used to a team kind of skating with them and staying on top of them the way that Florida was in all three zones. And I think once Florida got the lead and Boston kind of came out of their comfort zone and a team that's used to playing ahead, they're used to shutting down the opponents. Like Boston, they were a great offensive team, but they were a really, really good defensive team as well. And to see the Panthers becoming that good of a defensive team that were Boston their opportunities were few and far between. So that's why you think that this is sustainable for a series because it's not necessarily like Boston beating themselves. It, it, really, the struggles went to the Panthers beating themselves. That's what happened in game one. The early penalties cost them the power play. You know, the weak, you know, the, the one goal, the one weak moment by Alex Lyon, the second goal to Brad, uh, to Brad Marchand in game, game one. Like, aside from that, like the Panthers, are, you really have to think they've been the better team. So there's a lot to be excited about. You know, it's funny. We, we, we've talked about it on this podcast specifically all year long, how... For now, multiple years in a row, the Panthers and the Heat seasons have sort of mirrored each other, where you've had these teams that were world beaters in the regular season last year, and, and even going into years before, but teams that were world beaters in the regular season and then you know came up just short of their goals, obviously, in the postseason. The Heat advanced a little bit further. But now this season, a year with some inconsistency, a year where you know, you're looking to grasp for um, the things that are sustainable. And with the Panthers here, I think... You know, if you're picking one or the other who you're a little more confident about going into the rest of this series and saying, all right, you know, th this is real. I think you have to feel that way about the Panthers just in that, you know, the Heat did get blown out in their game too. The, the Heat, you know, showed some of those same things that have been a problem for them all year where the Panthers, you know, look to really be playing their best hockey here down the stretch. And a lot of that seemingly also has to do with Alex Lyon, who... My goodness, he has been sensational for the Panthers since being put in the position to now be their starter. Um, you know, what can you say about, you know, let's go back a second too. What can you say about the effort down the stretch from Lyon, everything that he's shown you, and and what do you expect from him in the rest of the series? Yeah, it's, it's really fun when you see a guy like Alex Lyon, 30 years old, like he's been, you know, pushing for this career, chasing his dream. And, you know, it's still, most guys, you know, in that around that age, you know, it's very few guys that actually make it to the top of the mountain that make it right. to the big show. So to see somebody who's been pushing and driving and working his butt off to not only make it to this level, but now he's succeeding at this level. He's in the first you go to the regular season, he's helping salvage an NHL season. And like that's awesome. Then he's given he's played so well that he's given an opportunity to really chase that dream. Now mm -hmm. he's starting in the playoffs and just just like when I put myself in his shoes and I'm like, you're thinking, man, if I keep doing what I've been doing, I can do something that will get talked about for forever. For who knows how long forever. Like, 
the opportunity oh, I have chills. Like, just right? <laughs> I have chills just in the way that, that you're sort of putting it out there like it it really is one of the most unbelievable stories and the fact that he's throughout it has kind of maintained just who he is and they're like talking to like Paul Maurice or Bill Zito who's known Alex Lyon for for years like he's always been this just genuine this down to earth guy he just goes to work every day and I mean, you saw like last night, I think, uh, I think you, you may want to do it for Bally's. Somebody posted a gif of him as the players were all walking in their suits. They're walking into the locker room and Lion just locked eyes on the camera. You can say he's having fun, but he just stares down the camera as he walks by like, right. And, and right. just, that's who he is. Like he's, he's about to play the biggest game of his life of the biggest game of the Panthers season. And they've been getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And he's just comfortable to mess around with the cameraman outside the locker room. And then he goes out and he plays like that. So how much fun and how easy is it to root for this guy? If you're already a Panthers fan, now you've got this great story on top of it. It's really cool to be a part of. You're so right. It is this unbelievable story to add to what is already a really cool story of this team that was a one seed last year that now finds their way to make it to the playoffs on the back of a player who never should have been here. And let me give uh, Jacob and Patrick some credit in our uh, our social team. They were the ones running socials last night on Panthers, so that was not me. Let me give some credit to the guys where it's due. Jacob and Patrick, they do an awesome job also supplementing all of the other games that we have going on on this network here with Bally. Um, we talk about Lion, obviously, you know, the guy who has been the catalyst of everything this season, the guy who has been this team's MVP. And if not for Connor McDavid, <laughs> might have had himself up there for the Hart Trophy him- himself. Uh, Matthew Kachuk. I mean, I, I don't even know. I almost just want to say Matthew Kachuk and let you take it from there because he <laughs> has been. I mean, w- what is there even to say about the type of hockey that we've seen from this guy? A guy who, who, mind you, like stands out on the ice to me as someone who doesn't watch nearly as much hockey as you do. And, and you can just clearly see that this is someone who has his fingerprints all over the game every single time he's out there. Yeah, I mean, just the full package, I guess, would be the best way to kind of describe what Matthew Kachuk can do. And, and you're really kind of seeing it uh, to the nth degree right now in the postseason because this is kind of his time to shine. But what I've really loved about watching him in, the, in you know, the physical scrums and everything that they – because obviously he's a big goal scorer. He's an amazing offensive player. He does all those things to, to an exceptional level. You know, he had over 100 points for the second season in a row, and he's 25 years old. Insane. This guy's the limit for this guy. But watching him do – the nasty gritty things on the ice where he'll like get into a scrum, but he won't do it in a, in like a, I don't want a dumb way for, for lack of a better term. Yeah, no, that's, like that's, he'll get involved. He'll skate away. Like he'll give the guy a shot, but then he'll back he's not, away. Uh, he's not on the NBA side doing the Dylan Brooks or Draymond Green thing, right. Of like yeah, taking it a step too far. He'll get in there. He'll, he, he'll mess things up, but he's not taking it to the level where ultimately then it's detrimental to the team because he's not available. Yeah. He seems to know exactly where that line is and he doesn't cross it. He's not, he's not the guy that's going to be sitting half the game in the penalty box. Cause he's so jacked up for a playoff game that he goes out and, you know, to right. tomahawk shots or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's, Everything that we've seen this team as they've kind of progressed over the last few years, leading up to last year's playoff sweep at Tampa, there were clear changes that the front office wanted to make. They wanted the team to get tougher, and they went out and they found a coach that they thought would be the best to do that. And then they went out and you can't even say they went out because it really a trade like that just kind of falls into your lap. And Bill Zito has said it too; like he was shocked when he got that phone call. Crazy. But since he's gotten here, like has anybody had their finger on the pulse of the team better than Bill Zito has over the last three years? It's insane. I mean, it's. 
it's Every really unbelievable. <laughs> he has done yeah. such a spectacular job. And it's so funny, you know, because obviously the regular season did not go the way that the Panthers hoped in terms of, a, you know, wins and losses. But I think it, it it's clear to anybody who paid sort of deep attention, like the moves they made were the right moves, you know, and, and, and the coaching that we've seen from Paul Maurice seems to be paying some dividends here late in the season into the postseason. And so we talked about Lyon. We talked about Kachuk. Now the question becomes, and this is actually where we'll wrap, as we look at the rest of this series and we look at a Panthers team here who's looking to pull off the upset, who now has home ice, who, by the way, all of those games will be on Bally Sports, so you guys can watch all of those games on Bally Sports, the Bally Sports app or ballysports.com. Here's the plug. Uh, As fans tune in for games three and four at home and as fans tune in for the rest of this hotly contested series, we saw Sam Bennett come back. He made a huge impact. We've seen all sorts of different guys make a huge impact for this team. What is or who is the X factor for the Panthers if they are going to ultimately win this series outside of Lyon and Kachuk? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, Jeremy, I don't it, I don't think it comes down to one guy. I, I, I don't think one player can make that kind of a difference when you're playing. I mean, playoffs in general, but if it seemed like right. Boston, that's just so deep. Like, I think it's got to be like basically every guy. Like the, the <laughs> effort that we've seen because you can't take a shift off against this team. You're right. And the way that they've come over the board, shift after shift after shift against this Boston team, and not only skated with them, but in some ways outskated them and outworked them at times. Like that is what needs to continue. And there's no reason to think it won't. Like that's basically what Paul Maurice has been selling this team all year is if you'll put in the work and do what I'm showing you, the results will be there. And I think we're seeing like that that coming to fruition right now. So as long as they keep doing what they've been doing, there's no reason to think that they cannot pull off this upset. You got me ready to go. I'll tell you that. You got me (laughs) fired up. I'm ready to watch this team take on the Bruins the rest of this series. And we know it's going to be a good one. I think a lot of folks were saying that going into it, that, you know, despite the Bruins being this literally all-time historically great team, there was a shot that this Panthers team could hang with them. And they've shown they can do that and more thus far. Uh, you can follow David yes, at David Dwork on Twitter. David, before I let you go, just want to give you an opportunity to plug any of your work for folks to go check out throughout this series. I appreciate you having me on. It's it's an honor to to be on Miami Mic'd Up with you, my friend. It's been it's Don't really cool. And, it's it's an honor to get to chat just because it's nice to catch up. That's all it is. Well, it I'm is. having a well, nice time catching up with you. People down here. You, you you don't you you've been skimping on poker night, so we got to work on that. I have. I got to get. I um, got to get out there yeah. and lose money to you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um. Again, thank you for having me on. You can find me on Twitter at David's Work. You can find my Chirping the Cats podcast on local ten.com local ten app as well, or anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, my written work is on the Hockey News right now. It's just thehockeynews.com slash Florida or thn.com slash Florida. And yeah, that's that's. I feel, I feel like the work that it, it's not as big as the plug. The plug feels kind of small compared <laughs> to the work. But yeah, that's that's me, my friend. And for the third time, just thanks again for having me on. I do really appreciate the time. No, it's awesome to have you on here. Uh, for anyone listening, David knows as much about this team or more than anybody. He is incredibly plugged in. He does an amazing job. Um, and I'm excited to see his work and the rest of this series. Again, you can watch these games on Bally Sports starting at 7 o'clock with the Panthers live pregame show on Friday night for game three and then three o'clock on Sunday an afternoon game really really looking forward to these looking forward to watching them along with David Dork again you can follow him at David Dork on Twitter that's D-W-O-R-K 
David, thanks for joining me on Miami Mic'd Up. My pleasure, buddy. Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami Mic'd Up with me, Jeremy Taché. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places.